Well, hello, and thanks for listening in to our weekly teaching podcast here at City Church. We are a church in the Knoxville area that seeks to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you're in Knoxville or ever visiting Knoxville, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people here in the city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com slash give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can drop us a line at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, uh, my name is Dominique, and I'm so glad to be here this morning. I am the pastor of Hope Fellowship, uh, and again, it's good to be here with you this morning. I love uh, your pastors. They're dear friends of mine. Uh, I love your leadership team, everything you guys are doing so far. Uh, before you were a church, believe it or not, there was a time before you were a church, uh, they came into Knoxville and they came to Shoreline. I was at Shoreline. They was like, hey, man, we're coming to play in a church. Like, we want some gum. So, all right, that's kind of weird. You want some bubble gum? Cool. So I ran across the street to Weigel's, came back with some gum, and they were like floored the fact that I ran to get them some bubble gum. Uh, they thought it was kind of silly, but I thought it was kind of cool. But that just speaks to, I think, um, the value of what I've learned about your church is like you guys reciprocate that in so many different ways for people. Your hospitality, your love, your care. And so thank you guys for being an awesome church. Thank you, Kent and Jeff and all the leaders here for being who y'all are. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with y'all this morning. Before I jump into God's word, let's pray and we will get right into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So Father, we love you and we thank you for your love and your grace this morning. Thank you for a chance to gather as your people. And I pray now, Spirit of God, you would come and meet us here. I pray, Father, this will not be a, a, a Sunday ritual or routine, but I pray that, God, it be a time where we as your people come together and hear from the true and the living God, to be in your presence, God, in the fellowship with each other because of your gracious and glorious presence. So now, God, give our ears attention to hear you clearly as it pertains to how we should love one another, how we should walk together in unity, how we should fulfill your commandment to us, which is to love one another. So Jesus, for the ones who walked in with anxiety or fear or doubt, for the one who walked in wrestling, God, for the one that walked in simply with need, God, would you meet every need, calm every heart, and still every mind, that we might hear from you. Pray be none of me and all of you for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So you're currently in a series titled, Church is a Family. Today we're going to answer the question, how should a family love one another? Before we get there, I want us to answer the question, uh, what actually is love? If we're called, commanded by Christ to love each other, we should know then, right, have a clear definition for what love is. Uh, if we all took turns one by one and went around the room and we asked the question, hey, what is love? What is love? What is love? What is love? We would probably get, uh, give, all of us give different answers, right, because we're different people. What speaks to us, the fact that we need, as, as a body of people, a solid, concrete definition of what love is, so that we're not guessing at what it means for us to actually live out that love toward one another. So let me tell you first, before we talk about what love is, let's talk about what love is not, before we actually define what love is. 
Uh, love is not simply a social construct, as many believe. That simply means uh, it's not open for our interpretation. Love is not open to our interpretation. We cannot pick and choose how we define love. Love is not being cordial with someone as long as that person meets your expectations. In the Bible, love is not primarily a feeling or an experience, though some think it is, though TV says it is, right? But in the Bible, love is actually an action. And so here's how I would describe love or give a definition of love based on what we find in the Bible, what we find in the life of Jesus Christ himself. Definition of love will be on the screen for you. Love is a Christ-resembled commitment that requires being in a relationship with other people in which we continually extend Jesus' grace, support, forgiveness, confrontation, and reconciliation. It is giving up ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters. It is giving one another the freedom to become an inconvenience for the ultimate good of the church. Love is always in action. I'll read it again. Love is a Christ-resembled commitment, which means the foundation, the root, uh, the rubric of how we're doing. It's not about me or you or culture. The foundation of love is Jesus himself and a love that resembles his commitment to his people. So in love, we start and end with who Jesus is. It's a Christ-resembled commitment. The word commitment speaks of covenant. It speaks of sticking in it for the long term. That commitment requires us being in a relationship with other people in which we continually give or extend Jesus' grace, his support, his forgiveness, his confrontation, and reconciliation. In short, it's when you and I give up ourselves for the good of the body. It's allowing our brothers and sisters around us to become an inconvenience, if need be, for the good of of the church. And again, love is always in action. So love, then, is rooted in the work and the person of Christ. Love is not measured by how we feel today. And then how good we love is not based on what we do. It's actually based on who Jesus is. So now in answering the question, how should we love each other, the example is really simple. We should love each other how Jesus loves us. We should love each other the same way Jesus loves us. How does Jesus love you? How does Jesus stick by you in hard times? How does he respond to your failure and inadequacy? How does Jesus love you personally? How does he love you biblically? And from that, we should love one another. Now, most Christians would agree, in fact, most people in the world would agree that what I said is accurate. They would say, yes, thumbs up, we get it, we would agree, right? 
Love is committed. Love is there. It's forgiving. It's supportive, full of grace. If we would agree, then my question is, how come we struggle so much with giving out what we would call unconditional love? Why do we struggle as people, as Christians, to give each other unconditional love? The biggest obstacle in loving each other like Jesus loves us is not lack of information. It is not lack of desire. It is not lack of a need for having visible love displayed. But actually, the challenge comes in about loving you the way Christ loves me and vice versa, is our own selfish desire and preference. To put it this way, the reason why we don't love like Jesus loves is because simply we don't want to. We just don't want to. We choose not to love like Jesus. When I choose to be selfish, When I choose to to, to ignore my kids and my wife, what I'm saying is in this moment, I choose not to love like Jesus loves. We love based on what we want. We insist on our own way. We demand the world and the people around us bend to what we want. But in Scripture, Particularly 1 Corinthians, God through the Apostle Paul tells us now how we need to love each other. And if we're going to do so, how to do it, not insisting on our own way. What Paul's going to say is to us ultimately, hey, love is service. Love is service. It's, it's loving and caring and doing what's best for somebody else. We'll see that in a minute. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read it earlier. I'm going to jump down to verse 4. I want you to hear the action behind love. And as we read these things and I make comments on these things, I want you to, to, to ask yourself, am I loving people this way? Do I love the people I'm sitting next to and my church family? Do I love them this way? So let's check in. 1 Corinthians 4, 13 rather, verse 4 says this, love is patient. I'm going to go through these very slowly. Love is patient. All that means is it's never in a hurry. It's not in a New York traffic jam rush. It means love endures. If it's patient, that means love, it suffers long. Love, being patient, means love goes through process. It's steady, and it's step in step with the people we're in relationship with. Love is patient. Hey, are you a patient person? Are you, are you a patient person? It says then, love is kind. That's easy. Hey, it's not nasty. 
It's not, it's not rude, right, or pious. Love is friendly, to put it that way. It's not mean. Love is kind, right? Love is gentle. Are you patient and gentle? Are you known for being uh, abrasive and aggressive and always wanting your way? Love is patient. Love is kind. He says, love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. He's saying, hey, love is not jealous of people, and love is not prideful and puffed up. Puffed up. Love doesn't say, hey, I'm mad about what God has blessed you with through jealousy, and it does not parade itself and say, hey, hey, look at me. Look what I've got. Look at how, how good life is for me. Love doesn't do that. It doesn't swing to either side of the pendulum, either through jealousy and envy or through boasting and being prideful. Love is humble. Love is not arrogant or rude. Paul saying the same thing there twice. Here's the most challenging part for me in verse 5. It does not insist on its own way. If we're going to love well, that's the biggest thing Paul wants us to understand. It's the biggest thing that Christ wants us to understand. That love does not insist on its own way. That's not the example we have in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, who is fully God and equal with God and glory and majesty and worthy of worship as the Son of God, he did not hold on to the fact that he was worthy of all that. But he humbled himself. And he was obedient to death even death on a cross. What is it saying? Jesus didn't insist on his own way. Jesus served. The biggest issue in love, of loving people and all of us is what I would call is self-supremacy. It's self-supremacy. You want to be God. I want to be God. It's us saying, hey, it's my way or the highway. Paul says, love does not do that in the home, right? In friendship, in the church. It does not say, hey, it's about me, it's about me. Serve my need, give me what I want. Love does not fight for its own arrogant, prideful pathway. In fact, love lays itself down for the good of the people around them. That's what love is. So how many times throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, do you fight for your own way? Do you insist on people having it and doing it the way you want to? How many relationships relationships have you messed up by always wanting it to be your way? Paul says love does not insist on its own way. It is not fighting tooth and and nail to get what it wants. It's not what love does. He keeps going, love does not rejoice in verse six at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Simply love's not happy when things go bad for people. 
And people get shorthanded. Love doesn't go, yes. Doesn't rejoice at wrong. Doesn't celebrate downfall of people. But love likes the truth to be told. If we're going to tell the truth, right, that takes confrontation. So love is also very confronting. Hey, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not biblical. That's called sin, right? And then rejoices in what is true and righteous and good and holy. It says, love bears all things in verse 7, believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. Here's my favorite part of the verse. The first three words in verse 8, love never ends. Different way, different translation says love never fails. Which means you and I don't get to call a timeout on loving somebody. Had enough, timeout. Whoa, wait. That's too far. Love doesn't never take a vacation. It's always present, always there, always given. He says love never ends. But he tells us what will end. He says, prophecies, they'll end. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll pass away. But love won't go anywhere. So I want to tell you a quick story and hopefully encourage you about and to, 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 to make sure within City Church, love never ends. So you came to City Church, and I'm not sure why, but I'm glad you're here. Great church, love it, don't go anywhere. Stay put, right? But as a church plant, and we've been, we're four years old in January, right? And so, so we've gone through this phase of life where, where it's mission and vision, everybody's happy and excited and great things are going forward, and everybody's motivated because we're rallying around the fact that, hey, we love this mission, this vision, these people for this city. What we've learned is, right, hey, listen, vision will, uh, vision momentum will ebb and flow. Vision statement momentum will ebb and flow. It, it will come and go. Now, if you're here based on the ebb and flow of that, right, you might want to recheck in and say, hey, am I really here committed to this local body? Why? Because at some point, things will get hard. At some point, there'll be uh, a decision made that you disagree with. At some point, your feelings will get hurt by somebody within your small group and your volunteer team. And if you're just here for the happy-go-lucky and the feels, when the hard comes, love won't be present in you or through you. Because you're here for the, the high of it all. But Christ's love is nitty-gritty in the gutter with each other. That's the love of Christ. So let me give you a story. I'm from New York City. I'm a northern boy. I'm a black kid, obviously, right? My wife is from Northwood, Tennessee, white girl. Polar opposites. She went to CAK. I went to a public school in Manhattan, right? Just polar opposites. So I come in Knoxville, move here, and God says, hey, man, I want you to start a church. Cool, no problem. And what's on my heart, hey, not simply a church, but a multi-ethnic and multi-generational church. 
that will work hard to love and serve and care for Knoxville. Sounds great. Black people love that, they show up. White folk love that, show up. Hispanic folk love that, show up. Millennials, old people, boomers, everybody's here for this great thing happening in Knoxville called Hope Fellowship. This is January 2016. Guess what happens? Hey, November's coming. Voting time is coming. What we learned was that the people that, 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 that said they were committed and covenanted together and were going to be there, when, when, when political time came around, everybody ran to their side. The kind of love you're hearing. Is that the kind of seat you sit in in this moment? Where as soon as it hits the fan, you run to your side. Black, white, Hispanic, male, female, young, old, whatever it might be. When it gets hard, will you run? But love does not run. Why? Because love never ends. So if you're going to be here, be here committed to the people in this body. And covenant, not contractual agreement. As long as they sound good singing, as long as Kent doesn't preach too long, as long as the coffee's hot, as long as we have this and that, we'll be here. No, 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 no. Be here if you're here and say, God, if you call me here, help me to stay and stick here because that's what love does. And Jesus said, hey, listen. When you love each other, you proclaim to the world, you are my disciples, my family, my people. And so be here and be committed to love because that's how we show the world outside who Jesus is and what he's like and what being a Christian actually is like. But there is no back door in love. That's what Paul is saying. My pastor, I love funerals. They're easy. Person's gone. I know it's weird, but it's really, you can't mess it up, really. You just can't. Weddings, on the other hand, hate weddings. Just, just, everybody's just being a diva. The bride is, but she can do that. The groom is, I guess he can do that right. Everybody, they like so many details about, you know, music and people got to walk. It just, it just gives me anxiety performing a wedding. It's just so stressful. Because if you mess up, you've messed their, their day up. That they'll never get back. And it's on video. It's stressful, right? But, but what scares me the most is not the service. What I think is, whether I'm in the audience performing the wedding is, hey, will they still say I do? When it gets hard, will they still be this in love when, when things change and life happens? Will they really still be committed to love? That's what love is. It's covenant. L- love goes deeper than ring exchange and pretty dresses and nice pictures in a reception. Love is rooted in Jesus. So are you that church member 
that friend, that relative who decides, hey, when this gets hard, I'm out. Because the Bible would tell you that's not biblical love. Love does not run. Love stays put. So if we're going to love each other the way Paul is saying, if we're going to be truly a family as a church, we have to live out and embody 1 Corinthians 13. Got to be patient with each other. Got to be kind to each other. Got to walk with each other. It cannot be conditional. It can't be strings attached. It has to be, I'm here because I'm here and I won't move because I said I'd be here. So the question this morning is, if we are supposed to love like Christ loves us, man, how deep is your love for the people you're in relationship with? How deep is your love for this church? How deep is it? Is it deeper than your voting preference? Deeper than your income bracket? Deeper than your ethnic group? The gender group you belong to? Is it deeper than your personal preference in life? Is it, is, is it as deep? Is your love deep? Is it deep when your spouse's body changes over the years? Or do you, do you turn your eyes to somebody else? How deep is your love? Is it as deep as it is now when your spouse loses that, that, that six-figure job? How deep is your love? Is it deeper than just the neighborhood you live in? Is it as deep as the love of Christ? Is the question. Is your love as deep as the love of Christ? For your Christian in the room, it should be. Because you've been loved with a perfect and deep and everlasting love. No matter what you do, no matter how far you run, he loves you. Not a Christian in the room, hey, that's the good news of the gospel. Hey, we all mess it up. And in Christ, God performs and shows his love. So being saved, being a Christian, does not mean we get to, like, dress up and, like, we get it all right and we're just, like, you know, holy and perfect. No, it means we are loved even though we're frail and still fall short. So being a Christian means that God should have turned away from you and me because we sin, but instead he, he turned from his son so that he could turn toward you and I, and he never, ever turns away from us. Is your love that deep? And have you experienced that deep of love from God in Christ? If you haven't, that's the offer this morning for you. For God to love the world, he gave his only son. God didn't hate the world. He wasn't like ready to shoot the world down. No, no, God loved us. And the world is pretty jacked up. 
but he loves it and sent Christ to save us. If you haven't experienced that love, hey, what's stopping you from experiencing that love? And, and if you're a Christian in the room, are you giving this love away to your church family? Come back on up. We're going to have communion in a moment. And communion simply is a picture of this love. It's a reminder of how deep God's love is. It's a reminder of how we should love each other the way Christ loves us. The broken bread portrays and symbolizes Christ's body being broken for us. That Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, was beat and was stripped naked and was abused, and literally his body was ripped to shreds. Why? Because he loves us. And the juice portrays Christ's blood being poured out for us. Why? Because he loves us. So as you take in a moment, think about how much he loves you. Maybe this morning you're carrying shame or guilt or whatever you did a couple weeks ago or last night. Hey, let God wash that guilt, that shame away. Because guess what? No matter what you've done, he still loves you. He says, hey, listen, I'm here. I forgive. I love you. Remember my love through communion and then go out and live in that love. If you're not a Christian, Communion is screaming to you, he loves 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 you. So today, would you cash in on the love of God if you're not a Christian? City church, to be family is to be covenanted. To be family is to be locked in together. To be family is to love. Are you loving like 1 Corinthians 13 in your local body? Because if the answer is yes, then that's how, as a church family, we love each other. Let me pray for us. So, Father, we thank you for your great love. If we're honest, Lord, we struggle with love, struggle with, with being selfless and serving, struggle with our own desire, our own wants. We struggle. Lord, help us to love like you. In your love, you're patient. You never say, hey, hurry up and get better. Hey, hurry up and get it right. You never say that. You are a patient God. And you never scream, you idiot, how could you? Again, you never, but you are kind to us. So help us, God, to love each other like that. Father, we give you praise because we know no matter what life brings, no matter what we do, no matter what happens to us, when everything else fails, God, we hold this one truth. Your love will never end. So in this body, manifest your love. May it stand the test of time. May it stand spiritual warfare. And will it stand to be a witness to the world? We are your people. 
and your call in the world to receive your love. It's my prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. As many of you guys know, we are in the process of renovating and moving into a historic church building located on the Tennessee River right in the heart of Knoxville. If you regularly benefit from this podcast, we would love to extend the invite to you to consider giving to those renovations. If you're interested in finding out more, head to citychurchknox.com slash building.